This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer. Blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York. I'm Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Injury Lawyers. Is your insurance company forcing you to go back to work when your doctors say you can't? If this sounds familiar, look no further than my law firm. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Raptors weekly podcast for the week of October 22nd. I'm your host, Mon Lu. I'm here to overreact to a perfect 3-0 week to start the season with Vivek. Yo, yo, what's going on? Uh, what's going on is the Raptors cannot lose, man. Um, we are, <laughs> the 82-0 season is still uh, a possibility for the Raptors. After, quite honestly, a very satisfying opening week. I wouldn't say it's the most impressive slate of games. Like, obviously, that Celtics win was pretty impressive, but, you know, it's early in the season and stuff, but... Um, just in terms of the actual bad blood that the Raptors have had with teams in the Eastern Conference, you would probably put the Celtics, uh, the Cavaliers, and the Wizards as the top three, and the Raptors took down all three in the first week. Um, how are you feeling about the Raptors season after seeing this fine start? I feel really good about this season so far. You know, you look at uh, the biggest thing, obviously, being Kawhi, what he would look like after coming, after playing meaningful basketball after such a long time. Uh, he's getting 24 and 12, 31 and 10. Um, and he looks like he's at 75, 80%. He doesn't even look anywhere near his best. Uh, defensively, he hasn't been you know, the Kawhi that we usually see. There's been flashes here and there, but I don't think he'd say he's at his best by any any means. Uh, and offensively, I don't think the lift has quite been there. Mm-hmm. You can see it when he's taking it to the basket. And then in, in terms of making reads as well, you know, when he gets double teamed, getting it back out of the post, uh, he struggled with that a bit as well. So that's going to come with timing, with getting better feel for his teammates. Uh, so the fact that the Raptors are rolling 3-0, uh, that's really encouraging. Um, uh, like you said, the big, the big win was Boston, uh, Washington, I guess that looks like a bigger win now, just cause you went and did that without Kyle on the second night of a back to back without Kawhi, uh, on the second night of a back to back. Um, I think tonight's, uh, the, the Charlotte's game, uh, Charlotte game is going to be an interesting test. I think they're better out of the gate than people would have expected. Um, Kevin Walker's I think, on fire, man. I think he's averaging like 35 or something. Yeah, he's insane. Malik Monk's playing playing pretty well. Um, And I I think one of the things that gets overlooked with Charlotte is it's it's almost like that Corey Joseph thing, you know, where everyone talks about, oh, you know, every team uh, Corey Joseph goes to, uh, he just helps them win, right? He he has that impact on winning. And now you're seeing that with Tony Parker. Uh, 
so obviously it's still, you know, it's just three games. Uh, there's a long way to go, but I, I think he is making a difference. And James Borrego as well, you know, a lot of experience winning in San Antonio. So yeah. I think he carries that over as well. Yeah. I mean, the Hornets nearly beat, uh, who were they up against? Um, first game. I think it Milwaukee. was, yeah, Milwaukee. Yeah. They had the, like crazy, like 20 point comeback. Uh, and yeah. then Kemba Walker, I think he had like, close to 40 in that game, but then he took the final yeah, shot. Snap. He missed it. And then it went to a wide-open Nick Batum, who was getting yeah. to the max, by the way. <laughs> and then <laughs> Nick just bricks it. I think he finished with, like, I don't know, less than 10 points for sure. And uh, it, it yeah. just kind of reminded me of um, how nice it was that the Raptors didn't actually sign Nick Batum. I think uh, some of us, myself included, uh, outsmarted ourselves, thinking that the Raptors needed a guy who could, you know, play some 3 and D and pass a little bit better out of that wing spot instead of what DeMar DeRozan ultimately became, and then DeMar DeRozan ultimately became Kawhi Leonard. So, you know, I think uh, <laughs> we're happy with how that one shook out, and I'm, I'm happy that uh, I'm not running this team. Um, yeah, you mentioned Kawhi. I thought uh, Danny Green has, you know, been Kawhi's PR manager, basically, for the last couple of days. Although, I got to say, yep. Danny Green has also just been uh, a really phenomenal contributor for the Raptors. Like, I think he's probably been the Raptors' third or fourth best player so far. Um, yeah. But Danny Green, you know, said, you know, of Kawhi Leonard, he's like, yo, I know you guys are all impressed right now. Everyone's really hyped. But, like, this is not what Kawhi is fully capable of. Like, there's more here. Like, he's so efficient. He can be that way with both his offense and his defense. And, uh, yeah, man, I think with Kawhi, I think the issue is still similar to what we saw in preseason, which is that he's not as smooth and connected within the offense. Like, a lot of what his scoring is coming off of is, like, putbacks and also just isolation plays and it's cool right like it's cool he, he's actually scoring pretty well in those isos but um i think once he develops more rhythm within the offense and once he gets his legs back more so that he can you know shoot the three at a better clip then he can play more off ball um you can run more sets around him and because uh, right now i mean Kawhi is just basically like a finisher right like you're, you're giving him the yep. ball and expecting him to score and, and he's doing that at a decent clip i mean he's at 40 percent for the year um, which isn't necessarily the greatest, but he's getting to the line 7.5 times per game. Um, and, you know, quite honestly, like, it's, it's, I wouldn't really say he's been inefficient. Like, you've seen that Celtics game. He comes out and has a little bit of a slow start. And I think in that one, he had, he was like two of nine. But then, like, as the game goes on, he got much more into it. And I think that's, that's kind of peak Kawhi you're going to see. And, like, even with Kawhi in a shooting slump right now, his true shooting is actually no. His true shooting is like fifty one, so that's not great. But um, his offensive rating, like when when he's on the floor, the Raptors have yeah. uh, posted an offensive rating of one hundred and twenty six, which is obviously elite. And the whole starting lineup really has gotten off to a nice start. Um, I think one of the things with Kawhi too, like we talked about the slow starts that we've seen from him in the two games mm-hmm. uh, in the first halves, and I think part of it too is I think he knows that he has a bit more leash to do the things that maybe he knows he needs to work on the most. Yeah. And then when it gets to the second half, it's like, okay, the can't play around anymore. So he goes to his real sweet spots and he goes to the stuff that he's most comfortable with. And that's when, you know, we see, you see him doing the stuff he's best at. Yeah. So I think over time, you know, he's so smart that he knows, you know, maybe he can play around a little bit in the first half um, and, you know, try to get going with the stuff that, you know, he needs some more time with. Um, But I think when it comes to winning time, we saw that against the Celtics. uh, He'll go to the stuff that he knows works best and he won't hurt the team in that way. 
Yeah, for sure. And that double block where Danny Green blocks <laughs> Jason Tatum first and then Kawhi Leonard blocks the rebound. Um, yeah. I think that play, I mean, beyond just how awesome it was to see it live, like, um, but like the fact that Kawhi was able to get up for that block is a nice uh, sign of his, you know, um, just return from injury, basically. But yeah, I mean, look, we're going to see more from Kawhi. We're going to monitor Kawhi. He got the night off uh, on the second night for back-to-back. Uh, Nick Nurse said that uh, that's not going to be the plan going forward. Like, it's not a consistent thing where he's going to sit out all back-to-backs. He's They're going to look at spots in the schedule where um, the schedule is a bit condensed, and they're going to uh, take it easy with him. Like, for example, uh, with the Hornets playing on Monday, like, they're going to... Um, it's going to be uh, four games in six nights. So, like, it makes sense to sit in for one of those nights. And it mm-hmm. just so happened that there was only one road game in the first, like, I think first five games of the season, there's only one road game. So it's nice for him to have that one out. It just kind of uh, maximizes his uh, his rest and his transition. But one of the guys that uh, has needed no rest or transition to this new offense or this new scheme and everything like that is Kyle Lowry. He's been this team's NDP. Uh, through the yep. first three games. I think that's undeniable. Um, he's averaging 23 points a game, shooting 61% from the field, 60% from three. Uh, he's averaging uh, close to nine assists per game. Uh, he's already taken four charges. Uh, I think all of them have been in the fourth quarter as well. Like Kyle Lowry has been nothing short of phenomenal. And that Wizards game, I mean, he went toe-to-toe with both Bradley Beal and John Wall, and he came out on top. Yep, 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 yep. And you know, I, I think as a as a top tier point guard, you look forward to this stretch of matchups, right? You look yeah. at him getting Kyrie against Boston, mm-hmm. getting John Wall against Washington. Now yeah. he goes up against Kemba, getting George um, Hill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you know, obviously, um, he's on a mission this season. Uh, a, a pissed off Kyle Lowry is not a bad thing, right? Like. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah, I mean, even going into the locker room after the after the Celtics game, I didn't realize that you know they they left Demar's locker empty. Hmm. Um, so his kids just sit there and play now. Um, That's dope. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is is his confidence in his shot right now, and just like calling his own number. Right, you see the the deep pull up threes. Um, yeah, and. They look money every single time. Every shot, like it's a surprise when he misses now, right? Yeah. Um, that's something you usually say say about Steph or Clay, but uh, he's right there now, um, and he's leading the team on both ends. Uh, I think I, I think at the end of the day, this is what we talked about all along, right? Like yeah. regardless of uh, how he's been with the media, he is smart enough to recognize that this is the best Raptors team he's been on, and that this is genuinely his best chance to get that gold ball to get that championship um yo him and, calling it the gold ball is weird because when i think of the gold <laughs> ball i think of like like soccer awards you know what i mean like like okay you're gonna get the golden yeah. ball you're gonna be luka Modric. like what do you what do you mean it's gonna compete in a different sport altogether um um but yeah i i, I think he recognizes that um and long may this continue yeah, I mean, look, realistically, he's not going to shoot 61% for the whole season, but um, right. there have been very positive signs, specifically on the court. I think just his ability to actually drive to the rim again has been really nice to see. Like, a couple of times um, in that Wizards game. Yeah, he's he just blown by guys. Took, yeah, he just blew by guys. He just went right to the basket, scored over them. 
Um, over both Morris brothers, by the way, Marcus and Marquis, back-to-back nights, really fun to watch both of them go down because <laughs> both of them have complained about the Raptors not being talented after losses. Um, but, uh, but I mean, you know, it, it's just encouraging, right? Because I think he's coming to camp in phenomenal shape. Um, we always thought that he was going to be a little bit temperamental. And I think uh, it, that ejection against the Nets uh, in preseason in Montreal kind of exacerbated those concerns. But he's come out as sharp as anybody, man. I mean, like the first game, he's 10 of 12. And uh, his three-point shot has been great. There's that one play in the – there's like one play in the third quarter where like the Raptors like kind of needed a, a, a big shot after a timeout. And Nick Nurse draws up this like little pin down for Kyle Lowry to go to the corner after Serge Ibaka screens his man. And, like, I thought Austin Rivers did a good job of climbing around that screen and still contesting the corner three. But Lowry was able to elevate so high for that shot that he was able to get it mm-hmm. clean. And I'm just like, man, like, to see him this uh, physically fresh and capable, is it's just nice to see because, um, you know, as it's always been the case, when Kyle Lowry is healthy, the Raptors are a dominant regular season team and occasionally in the playoffs as well. Um, I would also say, like, off the court, uh, two moments kind of caught my eye. One was Kawhi Leonard after uh, winning the game uh, against Boston. Uh, he gets the post-game interview with ESPN, and he made a point to shout out Kyle Lowry and how good of a job Kyle yes. did in terms of just setting up the offense. And it was like unproblematic. Yeah. Like he said it like two or three times, right? So like it's clear that he really enjoyed uh, what Kyle was doing. You know, like Kyle played a great game. I you know can't dispute that. And then the next Or game, he's taking a bit of a shot at Tony Parker. <laughs> wow. I mean, yeah. yeah. Tony Parker could never do this stuff. Um, but, I mean, also, like, I mean, you know, he was seriously coming from playing with Tony Parker, DeJounte Murray, and Patty Mills. Like, it's a nice upgrade to play with Kyle. Um, yeah. You know, Kyle wanted to play with the Spurs. Masai brought the Spurs to Kyle. Um, but then the next game, right, in, in Washington where Kawhi sits out, um, Kyle gets to do the post-game interview on NBA TV. And I thought he was actually really warm and personal. I thought he was asked some difficult questions, you know, about DeMar, about the team, mm-hmm. about transition with Kawhi and stuff like that. And, like, he was really personal. And he was kind of friendly in a way that you don't usually see him do that with the local reporters, right? Like, when it's a scrum setting after the game or before the game, shoot around, whatever, Kyle's a little bit more standoffish. Not even standoffish. He's just, like, you just come correct with good questions. Whereas, like, yeah. when he's on TV on, on, and talking with these national guys, he's... He's fine. He's very personal. Like you see it with Woj too. Yeah. So I don't know. I I don't really sense any discontentment from from Kyle. Like I think those concerns have really been uh, put to bed, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do the minutes concern you at all? Just because, um, you know, we've seen in the past that we put too much on him in the regular season. Um, the injuries and stuff take their toll. Uh, thirty. He's at thirty five right now. Yeah. Is that something? Are you okay with thirty five? Do you want to see it come down a bit? I think 35 is fine. I mean, it's yeah. last season he was at 33. Um, I think a lot 32. Of, yeah. 32 last year. So I think the, a yeah. lot of the product of that was just like the Raptors are um, closing in a lot of games. Like they had a tremendous point differential and they were blowing out crappy teams all the time. And yep. I think all three of the first three games here, like the Raptors have had to close out each of the, uh, each of the three games. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, obviously the one without, in Washington too, without Kawhi, like Kyle really had to put in a shift that, you know, he did that, so... Uh, I'm yep. not too worried about that. I think when we start seeing the Raptors play some lesser opponents um, coming up this week, for example, uh, he's going to be the minutes are going to come down a little bit for him. Um, I also right. think that without the line, right, like you know, it's kind of put a pressure. It's got put pressure on both uh, Fred and, and Kyle to play more minutes. Um, one guy actually that's also had a, having a resurgent season 
so far is our man, Mafuzi Chef. I don't know about our man. Definitely the guy I'm standing for this year. Um, <laughs> Serge Ibaka, man. Playing center um, and doing a great job. He's averaging 15 points a game, a 47% shooting. His three-point attempts are down, but his free-throw attempts are way up. He's, he's averaging six free-throw attempts per game. Uh, and his yeah. rebounds are, are, are better, too. And, you know, yeah, 1.7 blocks, a steal per game, an assist, like, it's been a real solid production for Serge. Yeah, he's really getting on the offensive glass. Yes. Um, he's being super aggressive there. Obviously, we're seeing a ton of loose ball fouls as well. Um, but I think he's steadily going to figure out what that uh, balance is on that end. Um, but, yeah, getting on the offensive glass, I think that's how he's getting to the line a ton as well. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, if he can keep this up because – I guess right now the thing is we have so many perimeter guys that can get on the ball and slow down play where you can almost afford to have Serge get on the offensive glass mm-hmm. um, and take that risk because you'll have guys that can stop the ball. Right. Um, you kind of did, didn't really have that before. You, you just had you know Demar fouling to prevent the fast break. Uh, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think we've had a single intentional foul to stop the fast break so far. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that makes a subtle difference in terms of how much you can risk on the offensive board. Um, and I think more than any anything, it's the energy, right? Like the energy that he's showing on both ends, uh, that possession where he got three offensive boards in a row. Um, and, you know, I, I think he missed the jump hook at the end of it uh, against the Celtics. But uh, that's exactly what you want to see out of Serge. Uh, and I think... It was really good of Nick Nurse to encourage him after that first game. Because really, if you look at that game, the only thing that didn't go right for him was his shot. Uh, and maybe a bit on you know the pick and pop with Horford. Because mm-hmm. um, he wasn't really getting out to Horford. Other than that, I thought he did everything really, really well. He protected the rim. Um, he, he, you know, he was blocking shots. He was grabbing rebounds. He was uh, getting up and down the floor. Uh, that's all you can ask from Serge. And then, so if you encourage that aspect of it, you look at his jump shot over the course of the last five, six years, you expect that to fall. So you you don't want to criticize him for, you know, missing open shots. As long as he's taking the right shots, uh, I don't think you have an issue with it. And I think he's done a great job so far. Yeah, for sure. And um, I think just defensively, I think Nick Nurse really believes in Serge playing that five position. Um, he's closed yeah. out each of the last three games. Mm-hmm. Um, and quite honestly, I think he deserves it, man. Like, I think he's he's actually played really, really well. I think his activity is, is really promising, especially in the second half of a back-to-back. For him to be able to deliver 16-9 and nine, um, after yep. scoring 21 on, on Friday, um, it's right. just unheard of like for Serge. Like, he, last year, he was so bad, like unspeakably bad on back-to-back uh, yep. games. And for him to do that is, is really nice. I think the, the center position suits him well. Like, it, it's, it's just going to engage him more, I think. Like... I think last year Serge was playing before and like, it's so easy for like, if you see like p- traditional power forwards playing power forward nowadays, like what the way offense is being played, like they're just kind of another guy. Like it's so hard to involve him unless you're a guy who likes to go to the block, like Marcus Aldridge or even like a Dirk Nowitzki back in the day where like you want to go to the block, you get in the ball and the offense can run through you. Like Serge was never that guy. So like last year he was really uninvolved and like anytime he touched the ball, he was going to shoot. I feel like, He's still shooting a little bit too much for my liking right now. He could probably mm-hmm. pass up some of those putbacks that he's uh, not had a great success rate on. But um, 
Agreed. For the most part, though, like I think him playing center, like he's just in the middle of more plays, and it's yeah. it's it's allowing him to be more productive, like not just defensively, yeah. but even offensively. Like like last season, I thought he probably rolled to the basket like maybe once a game. Like most of the time, yep. if he screened, he's going to the perimeter for the jumper. Now he's actually mm-hmm. going to the paint a lot, and like yeah. You know, I, I think it just keeps him more engaged, more involved. And I think he's more, he's happier in this offense. Um, yeah. Uh, I think so. I mean, he, ha- he has made a couple of nice passes as well. Yeah. Uh, there are a couple of times where they made bounce passes to him sort of on the roll. And he took it, spun, and was able to find the guy in the corner, was able to find the guy uh, above the break. And I was really impressed with that. And I think, you know, hopefully that's something that he'll improve on as time goes. Um but yeah, I, th- I think part of it, like you said, with the shooting, you know, he's so comfortable taking that mid-range shot that yeah. uh, he probably thinks it's going to fall every time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think as as Kawhi improves uh, with his efficiency, as he gets more used to seeing, you know, how good Danny Green can be off the catch, um, I, I, I think he'll be more comfortable kicking it out to those guys. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's touch briefly on Danny Green. I think... Uh, his first two games, phenomenal. And then he has a very cold game. I think he shot one for nine in Washington. Um, mm-hmm. But one thing that's been consistent throughout is his defense. Um, and he's closed games because of it. I think one of the yep. m- main benefits of getting Danny Green in this deal is that the Raptors no longer need to downsize with two point guards to close games. Um, yep. Like, there's still moments where you want Fred. I think there's specific matchups where you want Fred. Like, I think Washington is a good example, right? You, you kind of trust Fred to take a shift on John Wall. I mean, like, no one's really going to stop John Wall anyway. But, like, I mean, John Wall's just going to barrel to the rim and throw up a bad layup. Like, you can't really stop him. No one in the league's really going to prevent him from doing that. And I don't even think no. they want to. But, like, you trust Fred to, like, take a shift on Bradley Beal, right? Because Bradley Beal's also yep. a bit smaller. And so you could get away with Kyle and, and, uh, and, and Fred. But, I mean, like, in games— I mean, you might see it against Charlotte as well when they close, if, if they close with, you know, Kemba and Tony. That's true. That's true. Exactly, right? There's certainly matchups where you want him in, but I think now that Danny's here, you don't necessarily need to downsize on the wing while you still have spacing, right? You can still Absolutely. maintain spacing with an, a guy who's actually like 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, who can make huge defensive plays. And I thought Danny Green has come through with so many um, key just stops. Like, it's not even just like that one block against... Um, Jason Tatum, there's like one very subtle, like, do you just see very subtle, like, defensive moments where um, there's a, a, you know, he's so good at switching. He's so good at calling things out. Um, and his lateral quickness is really good. So he's not getting blown by that much. And, like, I just think Danny Green has been a very solid addition to the Raptors. And he's fit in kind of perfectly. Like, I, all the shots that he's taking, I feel like, are good shots. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with the switching. I think that's the biggest part of it right like you even think back to uh last year's playoffs where uh teams were able to get the switch onto say a cj miles or demar Derozan, and then yeah. sort of expose the defense from that right so now um maybe you're thinking you can have fred out there but if you have danny green if it's a switch on to tatum if it's a switch on to gordon hayward if it's a switch on to jalen brown it doesn't really matter anymore right yeah. Um, and I think that's the big thing. There were a couple of possessions. You know, there was one time where uh, Tatum uh, got Danny Green um, on the left place baseline off a switch and tried to, you know, uh, dribble towards the basket. Green just cut him off and then Tatum kicked it out. I think he did the same with Gordon Hayward. Um, 
So those are the subtle things that he will make the difference on. Again, he's a low maintenance guy. He's not mm-hmm. going to be chasing shots. He's going to take whatever comes his way. Um, and he's a leader. I think uh, yeah. his his willingness to shoot big shots as a role player is something that can rub off on the young guys. Um, we've we've got a few assertive guys already. Um, I don't think anyone that's on this roster right now is afraid to take that shot. Uh but I think in terms of the way the team wants to play, recognizing, you know, just trying to get the best shot available, uh, that willingness now that you'll see from DeLon and Fred, I think that'll only be enhanced. You look at the three that Al Horford made to cut the lead to two. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a big moment. You, the Raptors were kind of searching for offense. And then Danny Green recognizes that Hayward and Rozier miscommunicated on the switch. So he zips all the way across and knocks down a big three to push the lead back up to five. And then the Raptors sort of uh, held it down from there. Uh, so those are the little things where he's going to recognize and stay in the moment. Um, you know, we've seen role players... Uh, before I get caught up in the moment, he's not one of those guys. He's been through too many of these in much higher leverage situations than just the second or third game of the regular season. So he's going to be huge for the team going forward. Yeah, for sure. And I think just think that defensively, he's so solid. Like he's basically replacing a lot of what CJ Miles gave them on offense. Like he's taking seven threes a game. CJ Miles took seven threes a game last year. Um, yep. And he's kind of he will go through hot and cold stretches like CJ does as well. Um, mm-hmm. But I think for the most part... But the like, defensive end is always going to be consistent. Yeah, exactly. Whereas CJ is kind of consistently bad defensively. So it's kind of unfortunate for him. Um, speaking of CJ, I think the bench as a whole is something to watch for at, right now. Like, DeLon Wright hasn't played yet. He's still not going to play um, against the Hornets. But, like, you know, the bench hasn't been as dominant as it was before. I think um, even, uh, you know, Lauren Miles, uh, the wife of CJ Miles... Um, talked about on Twitter, just like, yeah, the bench mob is kind of just like, you know, a thing of the past. And it's kind of has been, right? Like, the bench mob kind of lost a bit of its identity with Pascal going to the starting lineup um, and for OG to start some portions as well. Like, it's not the same continuity of, like, the second unit is the second unit as it was in previous seasons. Um, And so I think you're seeing a little bit of struggling from a guy like Fred Van Vliet, who still hit that huge shot in in Washington and had some other great moments, as he always does. But you don't really see Fred being a guy that shoots 11 times a game um, and, you know, doesn't hit at a high percentage and has to create so much offense for himself. And then when you look at the rest of the bench, CJ Miles averaging five points a game, shooting 31%. Um, He's not necessarily having the greatest year. JV... Um, coming off the bench occasionally, although he did start game one. Um, he's like, averaging, what, 47% shooting right now. Like He hasn't finished the best. Like There's just a little bit of adjustment for the bench to make because um, there have been some changes. Yeah, I mean, uh, as you said, the changes, the unfamiliarity, it's not – you know, just the starters being one unit and then the bench mob being the other unit. And so each of them have their own separate identity. Now you can see that the Raptors are trying to maintain one identity over the 48 minutes, regardless of who's in the game. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to serve them better uh, come the postseason where you have a bunch of guys who are now used to playing uh, with each other. And so in a playoff situation where someone's not able to give you something, you're not looking over and saying, oh, these guys haven't played together all season, you know? Right. 
everyone's going to be accustomed to uh, a certain role in a, in a different lineup. And I think that's I think that's part of why you see the separation of Ibaka and Valanciunas. Uh, you know, as much success as the numbers showed they had last season playing together, um, I think in the playoffs, I, I, I think it was proven that that it's not really a, a successful way. Like teams will gladly just take them apart in the pick and roll. So, right. um, I think Nurse is going about it the right way. There'll be some growing pains with the bench units, um, depending on what we see from night to night. Uh, and let's be real, the bench mob they kind of got caught up on last season anyway. If you right. look at uh, the overall uh, numbers, it, it looks great. Uh, you know, they were huge net positive. I think they were close to you know plus fifteen. Um, but if you look at just after the All Star break, they were plus three point four. Yeah. So. Um, so I, I think they did get caught up on um, because at the end of the day, so much of what they did was as a whole, right? It wasn't right. like two guys that could dominate and you really didn't have an answer for. Um, once you could take away certain things from, say, CJ Miles' spacing or DeLon Wright's penetration, then it became harder for the other guys to really get their game going. Um, you saw in the Washington series, they kind of fell apart without Van Vliet. So now if you're building something it's all about sustainability in the playoffs right so if you're building something where now one guy steps out and you don't feel like uh you have to find yourself again i think that's going to bode well for the playoffs yeah for sure uh, one guy that's been uh, impervious to some of the changes has been uh, og i think he's been regardless of whether he's playing with the starters or playing with the bench i think he's he's been pretty good i think he's actually been a little bit better playing with the starters um but, I mean, like, for the most part, I thought OG has been real solid. But let's talk about Nick Nurse, man. Um, the early yep. returns on Nick Nurse have been pretty good. Like, in terms of the changes you want to see implemented, I think one area of concern is the rebounding. And I think Nick Nurse has talked about it. He wants the wings to dig down a little bit more and get those rebounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but quite honestly, like, that Boston game was a bit fluky. And actually, I thought the Raptors was a more dominant team on the offensive glass against Washington. Um, but, like... Otherwise, I mean, I think it's been real solid, right? He's had this fluid starting lineup thing. It's worked so far. No one's really complained about it at all. Serge is bought into his role. He looks revitalized. If he gets Serge going, then that's uh, a great thing to have done, right? Because Serge has not, yeah. quite honestly, looked the most inspiring in the last two years, uh, regardless yeah. of where he's been, either here or Orlando. Um, and also, I think just that, the flexibility of the lineups. Like, I think he's really done a good job of finding the right matchups um, as the <laughs> games go on. Like, I, I mean, um, that Celtics game was a great example of it. Like, uh, he puts in Fred Van Vliet, and he kind of baits Brad Stevens to take Jalen Brown off the floor, and then they end up putting Tara Rogier in the game. And, um, you know, I think that freed up Kawhi to then take on uh, Gordon Hayward, which I thought was a better matchup for him. And so there's just like small things that he's done throughout the game where I felt like, you know, he's done a really good job of just managing these three games. And for a rookie coach, that's really impressive. It really is impressive for a rookie coach to um, not be phased at all by the moment and to make the adjustments on the fly. I think that's one of the biggest things that the Raptors wanted um, differently from their head coaching staff was to be able to make in-game adjustments. And I think Nick Nurse so far has shown pretty good results in terms of his in-game adjustments. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing that people want to see, that players want to see, and even fans, um, is that that conviction 
uh, from a new coach, right? Mm -hmm. In in his own plans, in his own beliefs. Uh, because, you know, if he looks uncertain, then the players are going to be like, okay, well, this guy doesn't really know what he's doing. Right. Um, but he's obviously maintained a belief uh, in the way he wants the game to be played, in the way that he wants the rotations to look, the way he wants the matchups uh, to play out. So I think the confidence that he has uh, uh, in that bodes well for the player players because then they believe that you know they're being put in the right situation and then they can just go about uh, their business. Um, I, th I think you know I, I made a small comment about the refereeing as well. I, you know you don't really see uh, him getting at the refs or anything, and so I don't think we've seen the players yeah. do that either, yeah. right? Um, so I think that makes a difference as well. Going back to the rebounding, um, the defensive boards are a bit of a concern. Um, Raptors have a re defensive rebound rate of 68.8% right now, which is 23rd yeah. out of the 30 teams. Obviously, really small sample size. Um, but it w one of the things uh, I think that we've seen is, at least I've seen anyway, is Obviously, they play really good defense. Um, they're boxing out, but I just feel like there's a bit of ball watching where yeah. once that once that ball comes off the glass, no one's really going after it. Um, and Nick Nurse already talked about, you know, how he's had that conversation with the guys that, you know, as soon as that ball's up in the air, like you got to go up and get it. Um, and I think part of this too is a bit of an adjustment from the fact that you've traditionally had uh, the majority of your minutes going to two bigs. Uh, so there was a bit of that dependency. And then you look at Kawhi and Danny as well in San Antonio. They're used to playing with two bigs as well. So I think a little bit of that will take time. And again, this is something that's, in my opinion, very fixable. Um, I think the main part is that you're able to get defensive stops consistently. Mm -hmm. And and then now, if it's just a question of cleaning up the uh, rebounding, then I think that'll just come with time. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then last thing. Let's wrap up the show by previewing the week's uh, slate of games. The Raptors that start Monday, they take on the Charlotte Hornets at home. Uh, we talked a little bit about the Hornets earlier in the show anyway, but uh, Kemba's obviously been the guy that's been on fire. Kemba's been um, pretty effective against the Raptors over the years. I was uh, in attendance for one of his game winners. I think he hit at the ACC along the baseline. Really, really tough shot. Kemba Walker is um, Kemba Walker's that dude. I think he's – what is he averaging right now? Third – 35. It's it's a league yeah. high, 35 points a game. The weird thing is he's actually hasn't been that otherworldly efficient, right? Like you would usually think for a guy averaging 35, he'd be shooting like 60%. He's shooting like 48. He's hitting a lot of threes. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, his usage at the moment is 36.6, which is like Westbrook levels yeah. when Westbrook was uh, cutting for that first uh, triple-double. But uh, yeah, I mean, the rest of the Hornets team is not good, so... Yeah, you miss you missed Alon a little bit tonight because I think yeah. you know over the last two seasons he's done a pretty good job on him. Um, so okay, we got Kawhi but, and Danny Green. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, now we got that. <laughs> uh, this team is great. Uh. Yeah. So um, yeah, the only other guy um, who's really stepped up his game for Charlotte, I would say, is uh, Malik Monk. Yeah. Um, he's shooting so far 41% from three. He's yeah. scoring. He's like more than doubled his scoring. So uh, that's big for them. Um, Zeller has given them better minutes at center, but, you know, that was always going to be an upgrade once Dwight left. So, yeah. Uh, 
So, yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be an interesting game tonight. Uh, but I think Kawhi will be, again, excited, raring to go after sitting at the last one out. So, um, yeah, the Raptors will be should be uh, heavy favorites to win this one. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like, look at the rest of the team. I think the only thing the Hornets are doing really well this year, aside from Kemba scoring a lot, is, like, they're shooting a ton more three-pointers. Um, right. I think they're shooting about 30. What are they shooting right now? 39 attempts per game so like that's obviously a ton um but yeah i think if the raptors can guard the three-point line which i think they're a pretty good team at defending the three-point line uh, their defense this season has really been oriented around that like this should be fine man this this is a win uh and then on wednesday the raptors take on the minnesota timberwolves who uh, I don't think Jimmy Butler's playing. I'm not really sure if Jimmy Butler's playing. If Jimmy Butler plays, obviously that's a tough game because Jimmy Butler is the Raptors' father. Like, it's been confirmed. It's, but it's we got Kawhi now. But we got Kawhi now. You're right. You're right. But, I mean, still, I would still much prefer to play this team without Jimmy Butler because of course. that's a yeah. guaranteed win. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I think I saw a report yesterday. I'm not really sure how substantial it was that Jimmy Butler basically – um, was rested, quote unquote, but like basically he had proved this point he was going to sit out again. So um, who knows if he plays? Hopefully he doesn't. But uh, let's say he plays. What, what do you what do you say the Raptors' chances are? Um, I mean that's a home game again. So yeah, uh, yeah, I, I would still expect them to win that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this team is really really good. I mean, as much as we talk about there, there's going to be time to adjust and maybe. Uh, they might not get to the 59 wins. I, th- I think they're just so much better than last year. Yeah. Um, and the thing I keep going back to is last year, they went 35-2 and two against teams under 500 and 24-21 and 21 against teams over 500. Mm-hmm. So obviously, you don't expect them to repeat that 35-2. and two. That might come down a bit, but I do expect them to be much, getter, much better against uh, plus 500 teams. Right. So I think you'll still see them get into that 60-win range. Um, and let's face it, Kawhi has the highest regular season winning percentage in NBA history. Yo, um, <laughs> well, they so, brought up that graphic where he was like right there with Larry Bird and I think, um, magic or something like that. It yeah. was like, wow. Okay. That's true. Yeah, He's so, on that level kind of. So I think it was, I think it was about 77%. So if you win 77% of your games, I think that's 63 wins. Yeah. Um, so I mean, that's pretty much what you would expect based off his career. Uh, So, again, like when the Raptors go into home games um, outside of Golden State, uh, you expect them to be the favorite, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I I don't know, man. I'm just like very wary of Jimmy Butler because of all the things that he's done against the Raptors. Like, he literally broke one of Michael Jordan's records against the Raptors. He scored 40 and a half against the Raptors. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, yeah, I agree. I think they should still win this game. Like, having said all that, you know? So, um, take that for a win. And I mean, Kawhi's going to play can't. that one, too, because, like, it's it's a home game. There's a, a day off in between, you know, he's going to play. Yeah. And if Kawhi plays, then I, I'm going to predict this Raptors team to basically win against every team. That's yep. just basically where I'm at right now. So, <laughs> two and two, and then the Raptors wrap up the week on Friday. The Dallas Mavericks are in town. Uh, the Mavericks have been it's kind of plucky, but ultimately still not a great team so far. 
Um, you know, shout out Dennis Smith Jr. for hitting that uh, game winner against the uh, Timberwolves. Uh, it was a 140 to 136 games. The score lines across the league have been ridiculous so far. Yeah. Um, they're going above the, the Lakers are playing at a pace of 112. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's nuts, man. And they're all bad. And the thing is, they're taking bad shots, too. Like, the Lakers are so funny to watch because. If you want to play small, the whole impetus of playing small is to have better passing and to have more shooting. And they don't have any shooting. And most of their passing <laughs> is just one hit ahead to the trans, like to Kyle Kuzma, who's like contested, and he takes a shot. Like, yeah. I, I don't really know if that's good basketball. But um, the Mavericks here. I mean, look, they're a very balanced team. Doncic is leading the team with 18 points a game. Not efficient yet, but you know, still effective. Dwight Powell's come on really strong this year, 17 points. Uh, Wesley Matthews, 17 points. DeAndre Jordan, 16 points. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr., 16. So, like, there's a it's a very balanced roster in terms of uh, mm-hmm. who's scoring. And so, um, I don't know. Dallas gave the Raptors a lot, a lot of trouble last year. Uh, but then we got Kawhi, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a win. That's, why I that's a win. That should be a win, yeah. They can't defend right now. That's that's the issue with the Mavericks. But uh, they're a little bit better offensively. So that's good. You know? Yeah, that's I mean, Doncic is going to be fun to watch. Um, obviously, you know, we might be looking at the last time Dirk is uh, here. So Yeah, he's not even going to play. Dirk's uh, yeah. he's, he's out long term. I mean, he's not even out long term. He's just like, he's old. So everything takes longer for him to come back from true yeah that's true that's true yeah um but yeah yeah there you go i mean they have have a better offensive rating than the raptors right now yeah so hopefully with a fun high scoring game i mean yeah i hope so but i mean also like man they lost the phoenix suns by 21 points on opening night so like you know anything's possible but uh with the raptors playing the way they are right now like if they had shown some rest in the first three games then i would probably be less gung-ho about this one, but I mean, it's yeah. a win. It's a win. So, there you go. Both both of us have the Raptors at 6-0 and through uh, second week of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Vivek, thanks for coming on the podcast. Uh, thanks for having me. What do you got to plug? What do I got to plug? Uh, just the usual stuff, man. Raptors Republic, uh, Sportsnet, The yep. Athletic. Yep. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. just trying to hustle, trying to grind. Yep. The new Blake. <laughs> nah. That, uh, that, that's that's like the Demar locker room. You just leave that empty. There's that's no. True. There's no. <laughs> that's what we've done for Blake at RR. Okay, Blake. Listen, one day you're gonna come back to us. All right, you're gonna retire with the with Raptors Republic. All right. <laughs> yeah. But um, it's a good yeah. time for the Raptors right now, man. So we'll check back in right. after next week to see if the Raptors are indeed six and zero, which is actually quite possible. And if the Raptors are 6-0, man, the hype is going to be real. Because you're already starting to see a little bit of hype. Because the Celtics are struggling a little bit. You know, they, they needed uh, some very clutch baskets from Jason Tatum to beat the Knicks. Like, so, yeah. And yeah. the Sixers have yeah. been unimpressive. They needed J.J. Redick to beat uh, the Charlotte, or not, the Orlando Magic. So, you know, things are looking good for yeah, the Raptors. You know the one thing that, you know, doesn't necessarily get talked about with the Celtics? You know, you look at oh, all the, the guys that they have. On there. <laughs> That's what doesn't get talked about. They're frauds. <laughs> um, but, you know, the one thing that doesn't get talked about with them is, 
that's a lot of guys that need shots. And yeah. everyone just sort of looks at Golden State and says, oh, yeah, they're so stacked. They can do it. Everyone else should be able to do it. You know, it's not easy gelling all those egos. No. Um, and especially, you know, you look at Kyrie, who's trying to separate himself from LeBron. Amen. You look at Tatum, uh, who's trying to show, that, you know, that he's one of the best young players in the league. You look at Gordon Hayward. You know, he talked about, you know, in some ways being upset that the Celtics went to the conference finals because it was like, oh, these guys don't even need me. Mm. Um, so he's trying to prove that too. That's a cool so, attitude to have, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's a cool attitude to have. Uh, yeah, Kyrie's averaging uh, 14 points a game right now on 35% shooting. So we'll see if that holds up, but uh, it hasn't necessarily been the greatest of starts to the Celtics, but I'm sure they'll figure it out. Um, yeah. Anyway. We'll catch you guys next week.